Welcome to Kashrus on the Air, your weekly radio show dealing with kosher issues for the kosher consumer. And I'm your host, Rabbi Yosef Wickler, editor of Kashrus Magazine. And tonight's show should prove very interesting to every single person listening because we're touching on topics that all of us think about constantly. And hopefully I'll be able to share with you a few ideas. Maybe they're unique, maybe they're not. But it should help you in general in, in all areas of kashras, and maybe even all areas of life. I had some very interesting calls this past week. I'm actually, it's two weeks since we, we met because, uh, because, uh, because we had Yom Tov, and hopefully everybody had a good Yom Tov. One of the questions that I've been asked recently by several people dealt with their feelings about the topic. And I'll share with you the very different questions, but really emanates from the same issue. One person, a woman, she told me that in, in Yiddish, there's a word nervin. I mean, she's nervous. She doesn't have nerves to do it. It seems we're discussing the question about how you prepare grapes. Now, grapes is one of those areas that a uh, bunch of years ago, we never thought about it. They started discovering small insects, mites, and other things on grapes. Again, you know, maybe it was just a few people in the beginning, but then it got moving, and of course, all the cosmos agencies started to do some chest testing and figure out what the story is. And what you find really across the board is that grapes are not treated like every other vegetable, every other fruit. Um, everybody washes off an apple, just for cleanliness, because maybe you want to get off the, uh, uh, a little bit of the, uh, uh, the, the spray that was on there. Getting off the wax is impossible. There's a way to do it. I showed it, I, I mentioned, I think, on the, on the show here, and I studied it, how you could do, remove the wax. It's a whole procedure in hot water. And I don't think it's even realistic, and... I don't think people, I don't think anybody's going to do it. But whatever, if you want to remove the wax, remove the wax. Halakhically, we consider it to be an acceptable situation. Of course, you have to be a little aware of what's called, what, where you're buying it from and where the countries they get it from. And if you really can't be aware, you're some rove and the thing may be a bottle and an edible. And let's not get lost in it. A topic we discussed before. So you have, you have a fruit. Um, like an apple. Everybody's going to wash it off. They don't have to tell you. It's not on a list that says, wash your apples. Maybe, you know, some people who are all ner- very nervous about uh, the spray, so they'll tell you to wash the apples. Uh, the dirty dozen, which comes out every year, maybe it's this apples or some other fruit, and you have to wash it well. Finished. What about, the question is, if you, a grape's different. And the answer is, 100%. And when you see, it's very interesting. I study this very, very interesting thing to watch. Every single cashless organization will mention an issue about grapes. Some will just say, wash them well. Some will say uh, to do this. Some say to do that. There are different uh, levels. Some people say, wash it under a, a stream of water. Some people say, rub it when you're washing it. Some people say remove each grape from the, from the, uh, from the vine that it's attached to and uh, wash it well, especially the place where it touched, was, was hanging from a string. And, 
Others will say, you don't have to do that. You do some washing with soap in, the, in water. Uh, by, Goldstein gives out that you should do three times soaking it in water for three, four minutes with some soap and then putting it under the faucet and then do the whole thing two more times. I change the water every time. And that's the Chumra Dekashita about where you're guaranteeing yourself there's nothing going on. And others, as I said, everyone has a little different take on it. But what's interesting is, no matter which cashless agency you go to, everybody comments about how to handle grapes. That's a sign that there's a real issue. Well, what's the right way to go? Okay, that's simple enough. Um, but some people, they don't have nerves. Meaning that I'm going to stand there and wash this thing and I can't see the bug with my naked eye unless I would strain myself. And I would look real hard. And I wouldn't even recognize it necessarily as a bug because it's very, very tiny. I'd have to be trained a little bit to recognize it as a bug. And I, uh, you know, uh, my eyesight is not 20-20. And, uh, you know, my glasses have to be, I have to get a new pair of glasses. It's, my glasses are already shot. And, uh, you know, people have all these kinds of issues. So they say, I don't have nerves to check and to do it. Now, there's no checking here. In the, any of the methods I just mentioned, no one's checking the bug, for bugs. Because it's hard to do. So we train the people to do some cleaning exercises, and that removes the responsibility to check. To check is very, very simple. You take uh, these, all these grapes, and you put them into water, and then you put the water through a, uh, the, these, this special, uh, uh, special mesh that, that they sell. It's, uh, uh, it's very, very, very tight, and it traps even the smallest of bugs. And then you have to be able to look and with your naked eye, hopefully, and see if you can see them on, on the mesh. And if you can see them on the mesh, then obviously they're there. Uh, that's basically what we do. Uh, now you ask me, why do you do that? Then if I can't see it on the natural grapes, so it's not seeing it. So I, I tell you that a, a bug that's camouflaged is still a bug, if it's alive, if it's moving. But I can't see it because it's camouflaged. How could you call it not a bug? And so, in, in any way, it moves from the part that's camouflaged it to a part on the, on the vegetable, on the fruit or vegetable that it's not camouflaged, or it's now on a this or that. So, I, come on, if it's a live bug, it's a live bug. And if it's a dead bug, it's a dead bug, it's still a bug. The question is, what is the level? I mean, how tiny? That's a different issue. But to say that I can't see it, well, the truth is that most people, I'm listening to me right now, could not find any of the bugs that we consider to be bugs today. Not that they couldn't do it if we showed them where they were, but on your own, I speak, not, I speak very often to housewives who call me up, and they say, I check, and I don't see anything. I say, did anybody show you a bug? No. So, did you ever see one? Did you ever find one? No. Or, then you don't have a look? <laughs> so, if you never found one in your life, and never saw them, how could you know? I still remember Rabbi Gissinger and I were together one day. Uh, we, it seems that there was a, a program in Borough Park that Rabbi Vaya came in to speak. Rabbi Bodek had brought him in, or Bodek had arranged with him, something I think Bodek had brought him in, and he was having a little speaking engagement, and Bodek was using it, I suppose, to promote 
Bodek, although we didn't mention Bodek at the program, Bodek didn't want anything mentioned about it, but they asked me to come down and to be the master of ceremonies to introduce Rabbi Kissinger, to introduce Rabbi Vaya, which I did, and, um, but, no, but Bodek's name was never mentioned. But they wanted awareness of this area because that eventually would help them. So they paid for the whole thing. They rented a hall. And they, it was a whole big deal, but they, they still felt that it was good for the whole Indian of special productions for kashras of, of vegetables. Anyway, I'm next to Rabbi Gissinger, and he says to me, take a look at this, and, and he shows me a strawberry. And I couldn't believe it. There's a little teeny-weeny bug. In those days, it was probably the tiniest one I ever saw in my life. It's running across the strawberry. Running across it. I'm running. I still see it in my mind. I can still see that strawberry and Rabbi Gissinger standing there and, I, and, he's, and he's showing me this bug on top of a, a strawberry at this program and I, I couldn't believe it. You know, it was, just, that's what it was like. It was a, an eye-opener to me, literally. Now, would I have spotted that on my own? Probably not. Was it moving? Yes, it was racing. Why wouldn't I spot it? Because I wouldn't look. And if I looked, I might not look at that second when he's running. But he's there. And there were plenty of them. And this was back, I don't want to tell you how many years ago, this is back in the 1980s, I believe. I think so, maybe I'm wrong, maybe it's the 90s. Whatever it was, it was many, many, many years ago. And uh, we, that, so we, the vegetable, we, we, all, we all grew, grew up on, on strawberries. And nobody checked them. Nobody did a thing because we didn't know. Or, and maybe there were less bugs. But so yes, there is a dis- an issue today. So this woman said, I don't have the nerves to check my grapes. She's going to give them away. She got them for free or something for one of these packages that they hand out. Give it away, because I kept the nerves for it. And my her, her son was was trying it, and he, he gave up. He was so nervous about it. And I say, this is ridiculous. If there's a halacha, if there's a recommendation, how else are we supposed to do it? If it's true that if it would be a miyut, a matzui of, 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 of fruits and vegetables that are flooded with these bugs, we wouldn't be able to wash them off. But how about anything else I eat? If I eat, a, I don't want to suggest it to anybody, but uh, let's say we're eating a piece of food. I'll, I'll try to be nice about it. And there's an, an insect in the general area of where we're eating. So we try to guard our food from that insect. But let's say the insect was landed on something you're eating. So there's two types of people. There's one type of person who says, it's on there, throw the whole thing out. But a steak is a steak, and a good-looking something or other that's on your plate is something, you know, and maybe you don't have another one of them. And, 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 and so most people will take a, a spoon, a fork, a knife, and flick it off, cut it off, take a little bit of the food if you want to, but they will eat it. I'm not going to get into the soups now. Some people are more, but they don't know what goes on in the kitchen. They don't know. And, and, and if I told you that uh, it's impossible that everybody listening to me didn't once eat 
with something, a food that was hot, let's say a soup, had a bug in it, and the bug was removed. And the halacha clearly says, clearly the halacha says, if you have, let's say, barley or uh, some, some, uh, some other uh, uh, grain or uh, uh, luxion, and it was in a soup, and you see you have one bug afterwards, you continue to eat. Two bugs afterwards, you continue to eat. Three bugs, you can't eat. And my Rebbe explained that you couldn't even have to go look, check in the package, and see if there's any bugs in the package, and if there's two in the soup and one in the package, or vice versa, whatever it is, then you, you have to admit starve the three, three together and say you shouldn't be able to eat anymore without checking, which is almost impossible. When we were in yeshiva, I'm not going to mention the name of the yeshiva, when we were in yeshiva, I, uh, there's, a, there's a mass dining room, maybe 100 people eating there at once, and somebody in the middle of supper would say, I got one, and someone else said, I got the second. Now, there's different types of people that were there. Some people stopped eating immediately, even if they said one, because he's pretty, pretty sure by the time we turn around, it's going to be they'll find three. And certainly when the people, when he said two, so most people probably stopped eating because, uh, because they're, they're afraid there's going to be a third, and most likely there will be. And maybe even if you don't find it, it's probably is there anyway, because it's a gigantic soup and you found two of them, uh, you know, and who tell you where till you find the third one. And there were many people who continued to eat, didn't find three. And the halacha is that way. The halacha is you are allowed to continue to eat. Forget about nerves. There's a halacha in this world. We had a shayla that I asked my rov about as far as the chalas. I mentioned it on the, the show once, that... We had a Shiloh once with the Chalas, where we found two insects. And the Rav said, no problem. That's halacha. Continue to eat. No problem at all. Say they came in from the outside, and don't worry about the whole thing. Don't worry about it at all. You checked. Nothing else available. You can't see anything. You don't have to assume that this is stuck in the middle of the Chalas. You don't have to. Now that's a halacha. And that's how, we, that's how people conduct themselves according to halacha. Now, if you say they don't have nerves, everybody's eating insects on some level. Maybe they're so tiny we can't see them with the naked eye at all. I'm sure there are many of those. Many, many in the food that we eat. But it doesn't matter. Then there's, there's those that we, 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 we missed them, we don't know how to do it, and, and we didn't realize they were here. Nothing wrong. It's only wrong if we don't do what the halacha requires of us, which is to check if there's a certain amount of insects available in these kinds of foods, or we found some already. But otherwise, you have to go on with life. And to chicken out, it doesn't does not necessarily make you a bigger tzaddik, because there's halacha, and, and baltashkas is also halacha. Throwing something out is also, uh, uh, goes into the category of iser. So, the person has to think a little bit about whether the idea, I don't have nerves, is enough of a reason to avoid something. If you want to decide, I say there's so many different ideas about how to deal with the grapes, I can't decide between A, B, C, and D. So that's your choice. If you want to follow this Ashkocha, which you will hold as Eilach Ashkocha, and listen to what they tell you. If you want to be Machmir, so I told you the biggest Chumrinah that I know. And uh, there's a, there's a, there's a, there's a, I mean, some people hold that the, the biggest chum is just to remove each one of the grapes from the vine. And then when you wash it under the faucet, 
to rub the area where it attached to the, uh, to the, to the vine. Whatever you want to do, that one, the other one. But you've got to do something. But to say you can't, I have nerves, that really isn't what the Torah wants. The Torah wants you to eat. Now, if you're telling me, I'm a Rebbe, I'm a, a, a big machmi, a parush, I don't do this, I don't do that, I don't eat this, I don't eat that. You're telling me in terms of halacha that you're always choosing a certain way that if there's any shallow whatsoever, I would never touch it. You know, I don't eat a piece of meat that a, that a, a tchachem paskin is mutter. Okay, if you're holding on that level, then you too, over here could also avoid eating any vegetable or fruit that has any significant amount of, uh, of insects. But that is like cutting yourself down to one or two th- vegetables. It gets very tight. It really does. If you, you're going to be very tough to live a life like that, always being n- nervous about it. But I heard Rabbi Dover Goldstein told me that his grandfather did that, that uh, and he would not eat vegetables that had a track record of, 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 of becoming infested. And even though this particular one right now was not infested, no one ever said it was infested, they, they didn't find anything, they examined this and that, but he didn't want to deal with it. If it was a type of food that had insects in it, he refrained. That's what his grandfather did. It's, for his grandfather was a Tabachacham Rebbe, and if, if that's what he wanted to do, that was his choice. Uh, many people I know stopped eating meat in America, when they came to America, some people stopped eating chicken. Uh, people are machmir this. Uh, they worry about worms and the fish. You can go on. You can do whatever you want, but you know if it's mitam halacha and you're a big tzaddik and a big parush and that you're always machmir, so fine. But a regular person, a bottle, a regular bus of a dumb that eats packaged foods all the time. Relying on fifty thousand hashgachas with all kinds of ingredients in there, and from different countries, and 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 feeding it to their kids. So, Marash, why is this thing with this grape, which is biyotcha lasos, is in your hand to clean? You give up. I don't. That to me, that's too. That's being too. That's over the top. That's something that really I don't believe that that's what the Torah wants. The Torah wants you to deal with the issue. Again, if you want me machmir. Then do a mitam chumra, not mitam. I'm nervous. Here comes another one. This is two stories. This fellow got this product free. Comes in a package from the we got from the, the government is sending out to the families now. He got this thing inside over here. It has a, a hashkocha from the, one of the national hashkochas that everybody knows. It has another hashkocha that's from a chasidish hashkocha, a heimish hashkocha. In my personal opinion, that Hamish Hashkocha is probably the best in America. That's my feeling it's probably the best in America. Now this guy, not a guy, this is Yid, and he was, I mean, he's, uh, he, he, he's uh, not Clay Kodesh, but he's a, a Hashiva person. He was down with us in, uh, with Rabbi Goldstein, seeing positive. And he got very enthused about positive and what they do. And he had questions whether anybody else does the same thing. Okay, I hear the point. But this is 
a national hashgacha. Okay, you hold the national hashgacha doesn't do a good enough job. And the other hashgacha is the top, in my humble opinion, is the top Hamish hashgacha in America. And if it's not the top, it's one of the top. And the two of them are on this thing. And he got this for free. So he doesn't know if he wants to use it. Okay. Uh, you know, I, I, I think that uh, it, is, it is could die to be limiting in terms of which hashkachas we rely on for vegetables. I know, you know, for where there's the bedikas toloyim. I, I agree that there's, not everybody is of the same stature. But if, even if you don't hold from the, Heim, the, uh, the national Ashkocha, but this Hamish Ashkocha is one of the best out there. He says, but I don't know what his policy is about vegetables. So I said, okay, so you don't have to use it. So I, he said, but he wants to know, can he give it to somebody else? <laughs> can he give it to somebody else that have to go to a goy? So I told him, first you got to decide if you, if you, if you want to use it, because we're, we're talking about you, you know. Okay, so he didn't see the operation, and he did the other operation, so he felt the other operation, he felt confidence, and he didn't feel confidence. But Rebunish Allah, what does HaKadosh Baruch Hu want from us? Doesn't he want from us to be satisfied with the places that we use for our foods? This gentleman has to eat Dozens and dozens of products that come in packages that have the hashgacha from that particular, the national hashgacha, and it has the hashgacha of this particular Hamish hashgacha. So he's, he relies on him for meat, for, for chicken, for fish, for this, for that. But on this one particular product, whatever it was, a vegetable, he wouldn't rely on him. That, that, that's, uh, that, 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 that is, is difficult for me to understand. I feel that a person has to come to some kind of decision of what their standards are. And if you're using these rabbis all the time, and it's, even if it's a sensitive product, you have to f- believe that they have your back, that they're not going to give you anything that is less than what you're looking for, because that's their responsibility. And if, you've, if they've inspired you for you to have confidence in them, whether it's a national hashgacha or Hamish hashgacha, anybody you pick, if that's who you would believe in, then you are doing your due diligence by choosing them. And they have their responsibility, and the Kaddish Baruch Hu is going to watch very carefully how they use that responsibility. But definitely, they have to be given uh, respect for the fact that they're working so hard in the area of kashras. And I don't think that you have to start picking and choosing and saying, on this thing I trust him, and that thing I don't trust him, unless you have some reason to assume that. Because these people take their, their hashgacha very, very seriously. Everybody in the kashras world takes the hashgacha very seriously. Some may do better jobs, some may be more strict, some may be more competent, more on top of the situation, more aware. You know, but still, they're all trying their best. And I think that it's, it behooves us not to have nerves, but to choose those people that we, that we could rely upon. What would uh, appropriately to mention here, even though I've mentioned it before, is that I've, I've gotten these calls many times. Some people, they ask me a question, I told them an answer, 
and they won't accept it. <laughs> they won't accept it that, because they say, yeah, I'll be machmir. So, so, so why'd you call me? <laughs> you wanted to know you could or you couldn't. And I told you, you could. So you don't want to hear that. So that, maybe I should just tell everybody no. That's the easiest way. But if, I, if I'm telling you that it's okay and it's fine and it's for you it's good or this Ashkocha is good, so what are you telling me afterwards? I'm not going to rely on them. <laughs> People have to be a little more, have a little more confidence and, and, and have to understand that HaKadosh Baruch Hu doesn't want them to be miracle workers. HaKadosh Baruch Hu wants them to choose wisely and to accept that then after that the Hashkocha is responsible. You're never, ever going to know whether he paskined a cooler on this thing, whether he relies on a heter of that, whether he never was down at that plant. You're never, ever going to know. So every hashkocha, for whatever it is, is going to, it, it takes a certain leap of faith. And if you're taking that leap of faith, have confidence in that rabbi, that organization, because you're doing something that you chose and you decided that this person is Neman in your eyes could betray like two people. It's like a witnesses saying that this thing is kosher and, and you, have to, you have to accept it. If you heard bad things about the if you think he doesn't know or doesn't do it, okay, that's something else. So you have to rethink whether you can rely on him for anything, even water. But if you're talking about a hashkocha that has in your, respect in your eyes, be relaxed. That's this thing about nerves on these two shilas. Uh, I just to mention to you something that I remember from the old days. Rabbi Avram Blumenkrantz put out that book for Pesach and his son continues after him. It was very machmir, very strict. And in many ways he passed in a lot of things the way my Rebbe did. And uh, I had a lot of connection with Rabbi uh, Blumenkrantz. And one story I heard from him, I believe, yeah, I believe I heard it from him. It could be on a tape. I don't know if it was personally, although I had met him many times. But uh, he, he said an interesting thing, that when Purim came, they had three package, three sections of, of the gifts that they were getting, the, uh, the shalach monas that they got. They would take it out of the box or bag and they would put it into one of three containers, and they had these, these large containers in the house because he was a rov and a shul and he got you know, probably hundreds of shalach manas on Purim and they had to decide quickly what to do with it instead of spending a month doing, deciding because who gave it and this so they had to make a decision so he had three piles one pile was we're keeping it for ourselves we're going to use it it'll be in the house I'll give it away later on if I want to but it's basically for us it's acceptable on our standards and that was one pile then there was a second pile. The second pile was that which I would give to some other Jewish person. That I can give out for shalach manas from my house, stick it in some other basket, or I can give it to other people that I know. Or in the third group, that which you're going to go to the shiksa, going to somebody else outside, the Jew, not Jewish, etc. There's, there's no, there probably was no fourth one. Some people make a fourth one. That that they'll give to a person who is struggling, very little, very little Jewish, you know, Jewish on the edge. He's not makpen or anything. That's a dangerous area. That's really the dangerous area. Because we don't want to give 
to that person. That's what we're talking about today. We don't want to give that person a something that isn't appropriate for them. So to give away something that you feel isn't good for everybody in the community here, isn't good for all your friends, is only good for people who haven't fully expressed themselves Jewishly. I want to say it exactly. They're not, not uh, yet from, and they're, you know, sometimes they go to yeshivas, and they don't go to yeshiva, and they can give it out in my class and this and this yeshiva, because they don't really, they don't usually buy things with ashkacha. That's not right. Because basically you want them to have real kosher. Okay, so it's, a, it's really three types. That's how he did it. And what, you give, what you're going to give to other people is one of the groups, and then what we're going to have to give to the non-Jewish people, or whoever use it some other way, but we, we can't give it out to a Jew. And this is really all of our challenge all the time. And these packages that come in, that's one of the things that comes up. And you have to decide, is it something you would give to another person who is not necessarily holding your standards? So I, I'll, sim- I'll give simple for you. If you have a hashkocha like the one national hashkochas, the big five, OUOK, KUFK, STARK, uh, CRC in Chicago, the big five, if you have anything like that, you can give it to anybody. If you don't want to use it, if you're mocked on something else, fine. But any of those you can give away to anybody. Now, if it's a okay, you get that issue. Okay, okay, but we're talking about Yashin. Okay, fine, we can talk about those things. But, 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 as, but as far as the halacha about kashris, it's kosher. It has a deep nashkoch on it. If you are happy, you happen to want something different, you think something else is on a better level, your choice. But that you can give away without thinking to anybody. That's why it's not so difficult to understand Rabbi Blumenkrantz's approach, and whatever he, his chumras were, I don't know, and and whatever he, he considered to be acceptable, I don't know. But uh, I'm sure the big five were in the acceptable pile, and I'm sure he had some understanding of why he did put things only uh, certain things would they take into the house. As far as what you give away, that and not take it, not give to not to regular Jew. That you have to know a little more about kashvas. Because when we get past the big five, and you call the vada this, the vada that, okay, life gets interesting. That's why people, you know, ask people about whether I can rely on this or rely on that. But if it's in the area that's kosher on the American standard of kashvas, and there's another way I told everybody, you can go to the CRC website and look up the list of other agencies at the CRC website. Chicago Rabbinical Council website. They have listed about 150 organizations. Anybody on that list, you could give to anybody you want. If you want to eat it yourself, fine. And if you won't want to eat anything there, so you won't eat it. But as far as giving it away, you have no problems. That's the list that you could rely upon. Heavily researched. We go on. Another question came up. This is somebody who listens to the show regularly, probably hears it tonight as well. It's a very common shayla. I have been asked many, many times about it. A question about parents. The parents are older than the children. Big, that's, a big, that's a big statement, right? The parents are older. Sometimes they're getting really older. And they're asking you to give them something. So what is the din about kibbutz aim? 
And the, the din of Yira, you have to have fear of your parents, and you have to have Kibbut Avaim, we just read in the Torah, and the Sarah Sedibris. Kibbut Avaim requires of me to do what my parents want, for me to serve them, especially with their own money. It's not my own money. So why should I not give them? But they're asking for this particular vegetable, that or this particular candy, or this particular... Maybe the medicines, they, or whatever it is, not, let's say vitamins, whatever it is, they're asking for something that I feel I wouldn't eat. I don't want them to eat it. So now, where am I? Um, the second package that Rabbi Blumenkrantz had, he, he would give to other people, and he could give it to them. But what about this thing, which there's a red flag on it? They're asking for strawberries, fresh. They're asking for, I don't want to give any too many examples here because I've got the issue, <laughs> what do you consider to be too from? And do it? So, but but let, whatever it is, let's use the strawberries, fresh strawberries. That everybody says has a, an issue. So what am I supposed to do? They're asking for it. They want it. Is a kibbutz out to aim to give it to them? This is the question the, the gentleman asked me. Or he asked in different, fa- uh, different forms, but that's the, that's the basic kind of a question. And the answer is that today, strawberries, according to everybody, is infested. It's interesting, because strawberries doesn't get sprayed the same way as uh, some other things are. In any event, even if it is sprayed, which probably they are, it, it never washed off. Because it's so delicate, no one washes a strawberry until right before you use it. Mamish before you use it. Nobody washes it two days before because the thing will wilt and it will be icky and no one would eat it. And, and so the, nobody washes it. So you have bugs in the zillions. And they're in every one of the strawberries in the box. And, and you, you're not going to... It's not going to come washed off and washing it will not remove them because they hide behind those little seeds. They're not really seeds, whatever they're called, they hide behind them. And they come running across. I told you earlier, I saw them. I saw them many times. And there's videos galore, and everybody could see them, and they're big enough to be seen. There's no question about it. Why didn't we know before? Maybe because it got worse. And maybe because, we, you know, maybe the Mavinim started looking a little bit better and then they showed us and then we realized that they're there. Whatever it is, in today's world, nobody says strawberries is nothing. So every cashless agency has methods of cleaning the strawberries. Some agencies say you can't get fresh strawberries. You should only use frozen. Other people say frozen is not any better. And, uh, the, the, and, and then there's some people who say they'll only buy the frozen with a hashkocha and then use a blender on them. This way, after the blending, there won't be any bugs. And I, if there's bugs in here, I'm not allowed to, to do it because that's mevatel isa But I can always say there probably aren't any bugs because there's hashkocha on it. But without hashkocha to blend it, it's usher. And without blending, some people won't do it. So we have different approaches here about what to do with strawberries. But nobody says strawberries, just pop them in your mouth out of the basket.
Nobody says that. And there's good reasons for it, because there are bugs. How many? How, how easy is it to remove? I leave it to you. Famous video that I saw was called Tutim. I don't think it's available anymore. Rabbi Bas, uh, Rabbi Basu, Basso, whatever my father's name, in Flatbush. Uh, Busso, Rabbi Busso in Flatbush. He made a video and showed stages. He, he took the, vi- the, the, uh, the, the, the strawberries, he washed them, he did everything that all the Hashem's agencies say to do. He put them in the refrigerator, and the next, and he covered them over with some kind of uh, saran wrap or something like that. And the next day, he took them out, and he saw the, the insects. So he repeated this and showed us in the, in the video, mamish these, and he have even this kid in the background, Abba, Abba. He's pointing out to the, the, the little child, is pointing out the, another bug to the, to the father. It's a, cute, it's a cute video. I don't know if it's around anymore. But the, the point is, nobody says that strawberries is easy, is, is simple, is no problem. Nobody says that anymore. So here's the father or mother saying, I want strawberries. So what's the child supposed to do? And I had a child. It could be, a, uh, could be somebody living in the house who's not married yet, or it could be somebody who's coming, a child's coming to visit. You know, when you pick up, when you pick up and you come to home, pick up some strawberries for me. Is the, is, the parent, is the child allowed to buy this for the parents? If the parent isn't going to wash it, doesn't know how to. Forget about Nervin. She doesn't know how to. What's the right thing to do? What's the kibbutz of aim? So... I'm not going to tell everybody what to do, but, but I'm saying the way I understand the halacha, uh, you can't give that to your parent because that's giving them bugs. But they want it. So you've got to be in, innovative. First of all, I mean, the, you know that there's a, a mitzvah of yira, you have to be afraid of your parents, so you can't say, when somebody says to you, that you heard your father saying the halacha a certain way, and you know it's wrong, so you're not supposed to say, Abba, that's wrong. That's not nice. So we used to say to your father, Tati, uh, I think the Mishnah says Abyssal Andarish. Let's look it up. And then you show him. That you could do. But you have to do it with reverence. That's the era. You can't, you could disagree, but you have to do it in the right way. So here too you could say, maybe I can give you an alternate. It's not so easy to get, for us to get that cleaned. Let me give you something else. If they say, I want that. I want strawberries. I love strawberries. It's the time of strawberry season. I, I miss it. So the, one of the approaches that we could do is to, um, you know, we, first we try maybe an alternate food, and if not, then you can go to revising it. You can maybe you could peel the strawberries. I don't like the idea too much. I tried it a, a couple of times. I wasn't interested so much. You have to buy very large strawberries, and you have to shave it. Cut it off. And this way, there are no little seeds for it to hide behind the bugs. And just wash it well, and you're, and you're okay. Um, as long as there's no way for it to get into the middle of the strawberry, you just have to make sure that that, that, that is intact over there. It never got into the middle of the strawberry. Uh, but otherwise, uh, not just you know, from the outside, you see if it's plugged up. Uh, and if, if, uh, if there are no, if you have no seeds, you're not going to have any bugs. And you just wash it off and serve it. Don't wait too long. 
It's not going to last two days that way. Just one, maybe one day. But they're good. You're not missing anything. But I want a strawberry that looks like a strawberry, the child, the father says, or the mother says. I want a strawberry that looks like a, a, a strawberry. So you can try diversion, get into talk about something else. And then there's also a white lie. Normally we don't lie. But maybe to a parent, under the circumstances, if we really can't give them anything that we, they want to have, for some reason it's not acceptable anymore. So you could say a white lie. There are none now in the store. Or there are none kosher in the store. Whatever you'd like to say, as long as you don't uh, you know, just say, you know... I have to be very careful how you say it. But there's definitely ways to speak to your parents, and of course this is an area that everybody needs to, uh, inno- to, to innovate. Um, there's, a, there's another trick which I think the Chavetz Chaim used. Uh, when, but if not the Chavetz Chaim, you could use it anyway. He said, uh, I can't, I'm sorry, uh, my doctor forbids me to do it. His doctor was the Rambam. So you have the Rambam as your doctor. And the doctor says, this is not healthy. This is not appropriate. shouldn't take it. The doctor says so. If that'll work, fine. <laughs> if not, you'll have to look for other sol- solutions. But whatever it is, don't argue with them. And still, you could say that the situation changed today. You know, it's important for them to not to feel that what they were doing all the years was eating bugs and their treif, and you're saying, I'm treif, and I'm no good. No, you don't say that. You say the thing changed very recently, and uh, we're just becoming aware of it now. In other words, don't conflict with them, don't argue with them, but make them feel like two cents. But still in all, you have to get across the point somehow. So we have different approaches. One is to discuss the halacha with them and show them what's written about it. Another is to say, uh, uh, give it alternative food. Another is to revise it, give it peeled, give it uh, in, in blended, the way we said, a diversion, a white lie, which is not really a lie, in saying that the Rambam says that, you, can, you know, my doctor said this way. I believe the Chabad Time said that. In any event... It's a challenge. Another question came up recently. This was an interesting one. A gentleman, very firm person. Look, I live in Lakewood now. You know, there's all everybody here except for me <laughs> learned it. I was there a few days, but I mean, they learned in, in base measures Gavoyo. Almost everybody in the, in the town had learned in base measures Gavoyo. Of course, now a lot of Brooklynites are here, but still, most people in, in Lakewood learned in base measures Gavoyo. And here's this fellow, he asked me, he's a 40-year-old guy, and he asked me about uh, taking zinc, which is a big deal today. Everybody wants to take zinc. Happened with the COVID thing. People learned zinc is very important. And he wants to take his zinc, and it comes, the way he found it is in a candy thing, a sucking candy. I think it's Covey. I'm not sure what the name exactly, how to spell it. But um, this is what he wants to take. He says, no ashkacha on it. So I told him, no ashkacha on it. So don't take it. Zinc you can get out of a tablet. And, uh, and, and candy, you can buy you know, candy with uh, uh, 10 ashkachas on it. So why, why are you f- confusing yourself over here? If you're taking it in a form of uh, where you're sucking candy, you would technically need a brocha on it. And you have to know it's kosher. 
So you're you're a Shemayim, you know, you go go to you from BMG. Uh, the right thing to do is to not put something in your mouth that that needs hashkocha that doesn't have hashkocha because we don't know what we have in there. He's asking me what the chances it's not kosher. So then for that we can go down to Atlantic City, not too far over. But you want to you want to be sure that you're eating kosher and you want to make a bracha on that which is you're having hanah from. You can't make a bracha on this thing. You don't even know what it is. Maybe it's not kosher. Why, why start messing with that? And that's what I see a lot of people today got into this habit of, uh, I see it, it's in the stores, I saw somebody else using it. Use your head. If it doesn't have a shkocha, then ask the question, like this gentleman asked, asked me the question. It, 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 should not, it, it should not be taken into your house, should not be starting with it. And, until you know that it's kosher. Um, this goes into the area of medicine. So let's say he's supposed to take zinc, but no one said he had to take Covies. They just say that you have to take zinc. So take zinc. It's a, it comes in a tablet, it comes in a pill, uh, and even if it's uh, if, if there's better forms, okay, find a better form. But to, to say that I have to, I, I enjoy this, I like sucking on it, of course, that's why you get... Uh, that's what you get with hashgacha. Many times people came to me and they asked me about uh, sucking candies that they were, they were concerned that It's called cough lozenges. Well, cough lozenges, there really are cough lozenges. And they used to have a very strong medicine inside. But today the cough lozenges is really just a fancy way of saying uh, it's a candy. It has a little mint in it, a little menthol in it. So it, it helps you in some ways. There's no real food value. There's no real uh, medicinal value in it. It just gives, uh, opens up the breathing of your passages. Fine. So there's a lot of things you could do for that. And this is just being done as a, a, a way of selling these candies and charging more money for them because now they're called cough drops. So they need nashkaha. As a matter of fact, it's not such a terrible thing. Uh, some of the cautious agencies, the Star K, for example, has a whole list of lozenges and uh, uh, cough drops that are kosher, with or without ashkochas on them. I mean, meaning that they, they, there's, there's ashkocha behind the scenes, or they've, or they've checked it out. And uh, there's, a, there's such a list. So why start with the idea, I need, start with what is kosher. That should be the first issue. To start with something that is kosher, and not the first thing is I need. Of course, you need it. That's why you want to do it. But the first thing you have to ask yourself is it really kosher? This gives you a few of the ideas of some of the questions that, that people have been asking me this particular week.